This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Equity Mates! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is equal. Equity. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this interview. This uh, this is one that we have been excited for for a while. We've got one of Australia's best entrepreneurs, one of the best success stories to come out of Australia in the last few decades, a company that we've all heard of, we've all used, and many of us have invested in. So, I'm, I'm really pumped for this interview. Absolutely. It is our pleasure and with great excitement, can we welcome Ruslan Kogan to Equity Mates. Ruslan, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolute pleasure to be here. So, for those of you who haven't come across Ruslan before, he is a serial entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Kogan.com. The ASX ticker is KGN. And it's just been a phenomenal story over the last uh, 10 years or so, and we're looking forward to unpacking all of that as well as speaking about competition in e-commerce, the impact of COVID, a chat about people and culture, and then closing out around uh, investing in other Australian entrepreneurs. But Ren, let's uh, kick it off from the start as we always do. Yeah, Ruslan, we love to start these interviews by having a company leader describe their company in their own words. So to kick us off today, what is Kogan.com? Kogan.com is an e-commerce company that strives to make the most in-demand products and services more affordable. What that means is any product that you want, go to Kogan.com, type it in our search bar and you'll find it. We've got a huge uh, array of our own exclusive brands products, which is the most efficient way to get a product from point of manufacture into the customer's hands, which obviously means really good prices, very efficient supply chain. We've got third-party brands, so products from uh, other companies, other brands that are using um, our site as a distribution channel and, uh, you know, we can get customers the most known and popular products that way as well. And we have massive marketplace offering, meaning that we support businesses around Australia and New Zealand who want to go onto our platform, reach our customers and uh, market their offering essentially uh, through our platform. So that's the retail portion of the business. And then because we built a huge following uh, with our retail operation, we also have a services business, which is things like Kogan Mobile with incredible value on, um, you know, if you want to get a prepaid mobile phone plan or Kogan Internet, which is a NBN and internet provider or Kogan Insurance or, um, you know, Kogan Credit Card and Kogan Money and so on. So we've got a, a huge array of the most popular mass market services where we've used the the scale and buying power of our business to give customers incredible value on those things. 
Now, we will unpack a bit about all those verticals in a moment, uh, Ruslan, but this question's coming from Glenn, one of our listeners, and he says that most listeners would be aware of Kogan.com, but fewer would be aware of the founding story. And as I mentioned offline, it's one that I've uh, I read about in the papers a long time ago and was really inspired by. So, are you able to take us back to the early 2000s and tell us the, the founding story? Yeah, well, it all started, I guess, the concept and the idea when I was on an exchange program in Miami and um, all the international students, we wanted a bar fridge for our dorm rooms and, you know, we all went and schlepped to the Walmart and uh, then carried it back to our dorm rooms and uh, we thought we're getting an incredible deal because everything we had learned about at university about scale as a retailer, you know, Walmart as best practice and so on. We didn't even shop around. And then all the international students noticed that the next day the uh, local American students were having FedEx drivers deliver their bar fridges to their dorm rooms. And then we realised that that paid an even lower price than we did. So uh, it made me realise at that point that, hang on a second, a an online operation can operate with greater efficiency than a Goliath like Walmart. And so sort of kept that thought in the back of my mind while I went on and did a semester of study uh, in Miami, returned to Australia, took up a corporate job that I had and uh, as a management consultant at Accenture. And even though I was on a decent salary and a decent wage in that job, uh, I went to buy an LCD TV and I'd always been into technology and wanted the latest uh, products. And this is, uh, this is now, you know, a time when flat screen TVs were new and starting out and I wanted one and went into the shops and it was like $5,000 for a TV. And, uh, because I'd always had the latest mobile phone, often that I had to import from Asia, I said, well, look, I can't afford that TV, so let me go and see if I can if I can import a TV and that will be my TV. So contacted a whole heap of factories, asking them for a quote on a sample. Um, and before I realised, I was getting all these quotes back where I could land a TV in Australia for around $2,000 with the same specifications as a TV that was selling in the big stores for $5,000. And then I thought back to my experience in Miami and the, the way that an online retailer can operate with great efficiency and then doing further research into that category, I, I learned that even though there were hundreds of TV brands out there, there was only a handful of panel manufacturers being the main component in an LCD TV. It was, you know, Samsung, LG, Hitachi and Sharp at the time. So no matter what brand you went and bought, the the major component in there, which made up the vast majority of the cost of a TV, was made by one of those four companies. And that made me piece all of the pieces of the puzzle together and go, hang on a second, there's a huge opportunity here for a direct-to-consumer online offering of LCD TVs. So I then went and... Uh, very quickly started up the venture, quit my job at Accenture and started selling TVs at one cent no reserve on eBay. And that was my way to test the market because I thought, well, you know, you often see a house auction start at, you know, half a million dollars and then it, the auction ends at $730,000. And I thought, well, if that auction had started at half a million dollars or if it started at $1, it would still end at $730,000 because all you need is two people who want a certain product and it will fetch its natural market price. eBay was the dominant platform at the time, had heaps of customers, and I knew that I can test whether people actually want this. And I was... I was uh, selling one TV a day at 
of each size at one cent, no reserve, and it was fetching really good prices. Then I upped it to two TVs a day. Then I made my own website and um, was selling it through that as well, a Google AdWords campaign. I then bought a 1300 number that was diverting through to my mobile. So anyone who looked at the website thought, ooh, Kogan with a 1300 number must be a big professional company. <laughs> Whereas I think a 1300 number was like $20. Uh, the biggest fee was the diversion to the mobile phone. And, you know, the business started to get traction and was making sales and lots of pre-sales at this point. I had no capital when I started the business and no investors were interested. Um, so pre-sold a container of TVs. All the customers were really happy when they received them, made a bit of money. So the next shipment didn't have to be a 45-day pre-sale. It was a 30-day pre-sale, made a bit more money. Then it was a 15-day pre-sale, made a bit more money, and then started to have inventory. And as the business kept growing and customers were really happy and the feedback was great and uh, a lot of word-of-mouth exposure, I started to expand the product range and introduce fingerprint door locks and GPS units and digital photo frames and Blu-ray players uh, until the business started to become a really serious consumer electronics operation where uh, we had almost a full range of consumer electronics and then uh, realized that what we're really building here uh, is a product, is a business sourcing model and a direct-to-consumer online retail model. And when we expand into other categories, uh, it only becomes easier from there because there's no categories that operate with tighter margins in a more competitive space than consumer electronics. And the business was able to make money from consumer electronics and LED or LCD TVs at the time when every other major retailer was complaining that they're losing money on LCD TV. So started to expand the product range um, to include other exclusive brands in, in other categories, uh, then started to add third-party brands to the mix as well. And then we grew such a huge following of millions of customers that we were able to then leverage the scale of the business and approach companies uh, like Vodafone and say, hey, let's let's put a mobile offering together and create a clear win-win because companies like uh, Vodafone and tel telcos have huge capex expenses to build out a network and then they need to monetize that by bringing customers on board. And we're able to say, well, look, you're spending so much marketing dollars bringing customers on board. Let's not waste money on marketing. We've got the customers Let's take what otherwise would have been spent on marketing and make a really attractive offering from a price point to the customer. And it's a win-win. We've got the customers. They've got the network. We create Kogan Mobile, which is the best deals in the country. Our customers win, our shareholders win, and our partner wins. So um, we went and did that uh, type of model across a huge, uh, a huge array of services uh, so, like I mentioned before, internet, insurance, uh, mobile, money, credit card, superannuation, and so on. And then we also said, well, look, we're providing this type of service to other service providers. We can provide this type of service to other Australian businesses who want a retail operation because we've now got this huge reach, this huge brand, this huge following online, and we started to allow other businesses to list their products on our site and expand our product offering. And that was a huge step in the journey of our business and something we probably should have done much, much earlier, like 10 years ago, because <laughs> it made our... It made our product range go from a few thousand products to now over 10 million items listed on our site within the space of a couple of years. And, you know, it's now, I remember going uh, to dinner at my mum's house um, and, uh, you know, mum and dad would be sitting around and mum would be, say to me at the dinner table, oh, tell us about what new products you have. 
and I could recite them and I could say, well, you know, now we've also got 55-inch TVs or, yeah, we've now just released our first smart connected TV. They've all now got internet or now our TVs are all 4K TVs. Or I could give her an update as to the product range and um, now you couldn't have that conversation (laughs) because mum, we've got over 10 million items on our site. So now I tell her, I say, mum, you couldn't think of a product and type it into the search box on our site and not find it. Like that's that's what it's come to. It's a phenomenal founding story and, you know, it, it is just a real example of an entrepreneur finding like an inefficiency or, or finding a problem and then finding a better solution and just scaling it from there. And I think uh, a number of questions we got from the Equity Mates community were around the different verticals that Kogan plays in, the, you know, obviously the core retail, but then insurance, health, telco, uh, travel, even finance these days. Um and that I guess a lot of the questions centered on on why and how these verticals hang together. Is the underlying logic with all of them you're finding these pricing inefficiencies and finding a way to to I guess give a better offer to consumers? That's certainly part of it. The it what it comes down to is that we have an audience and there's service providers that have invested big into their service or offering, whether it be building out a credit card network in Australia or building out um, a home loan offering or building out uh, a superannuation offering. And all of these companies spend big bucks on marketing to win customers. And we're able to create a real win-win-win scenario where we can say to them, hey, We've got the audience and we've got the customers and we're going to use that leverage to to negotiate a really good deal with you. But you're not going to have to spend anything on marketing because we've got the brand, we've got the traffic, we've got the audience. So rather than what would have been spent in marketing when pricing one of these services, let's give that back to customers in the form of a better price. And... It means that customers get an incredible price. The service provider gets more customers. And obviously, we as a business benefit as well. So all of these verticals that we're in, whether they be Kogan Energy or Kogan Super, you will struggle to find a more price competitive offer in the market. Yeah. So, Rosalind, there's no doubt that, um, you know, your scale now is – you know, in another league of its own compared to some of the other online listed retail uh, companies here in Australia. You're now sort of looking at, what, 1.2 in annual gross sales or thereabouts. And uh, I imagine the the challenges that you're facing now versus when you first started out are, are completely different. So, so, what have been some of the learnings and challenges operating as a CEO of such a large business now compared to chasing that first million, hundred million as, as a founder? Yeah, it's, look, the, the scale does bring with it uh, a whole heap of challenges. And, you know, as you mentioned, we're, we're at around $1.2 billion of gross sales now. Like there's, uh, you know, we, yeah. we're absolutely smashed through the billion dollar mark. We, our sales went up more than $400 million dollars in the last year. So, so, so Congrats. That's the, that's the scale we're building for, you know, building an operation that can, that can withstand that. Then on top of that, we've had to do all of that while in Melbourne also breaking the world record for amount of time spent in hard lockdown. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, brings, it brings with it its own challenges around, um, our team and the challenges our managers have to go through in managing their teams and so on. But everything changes at that scale. So, uh, you know, when you're doing one, two, three, four hundred million dollars, um, of sales, you can use a lot of off the shelf products and you can use a lot of, you know, tools for how you manage your web traffic, how you report on it, how you analyze it, what systems you've got, what reporting you have, what sort of warehousing and logistics solutions you have, 
um, even communicating with your customers. So when you're doing the sort of scale we were doing in the last year, sending order confirmations to the customer saying, congratulations, we've now got your order. Here it is. It's with the warehouse. They're picking it. Here's your order number. Stuff like that, like the amount of work that goes into that when you're at over a billion dollars of sales as opposed to a few hundred million dollars of sales is crazy. It's huge, huge engineering challenges that our that our team have had to overcome. But then there's, I guess, one of the most uh, widely and wildly documented challenges we had uh, and reported challenges we had over the last year is an inventory issue. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Now, we went as a business from working with a few distribution partners who are always begging for our business and saying, hey, we want to do more with you and we love our partners. They're all really good and we've chosen the best ones and we want to grow with all of them, which is great. But it got to a point there in around January where they said, whoa, 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 hold on a sec. We can't fit any more containers into our warehouse. And um, that, that, was, that was a, you know, a capacity constraint we had learned about for the first time in the history of the business. We had partners go from begging us to do more with them to not being able to fit it in. And here's how it happened. We basically went through nine months of elevated demand. We have systems that predict sales based on based on demand. We saw also uh, huge disruptions in supply chains globally, delays at factories, delays in shipping and so on. And we said in this sort of environment, it's better to err on the side of more infantry than less infantry. So we went, we went aggressive with our ordering. Sales um, in around the January period when everyone started going on holidays and felt freedom for the first time in a while and Australia had this utopian COVID zero scenario which nowhere else in the world had really enjoyed, sales came back a bit. And as a result of that, with sales being a bit lower than we predicted and us ordering inventory on the higher side, our inventory started to grow to the point where the warehouses couldn't fit it in. And we actually had to go as a business from 14 distribution centers to 31 within the space of a couple of months. It was, it was absolute, absolute craziness. And obviously, a lot of inefficiencies you deal in that with, you know, you deal with a lot of inefficiencies in that scenario. We could have probably, and we have built systems now to detect that a bit earlier but we probably would have made the same decisions around inventory had we had those decisions again. But now they're looking like genius decisions because we're now again in a very disrupted world with supply chain disruptions and so on. So it it is a very dynamic environment out there and we're a much better business today than we were a year ago and that's thanks to the scale that we're building. So just briefly, Ruslan, Alec and I have retail backgrounds and uh, we saw firsthand the impact that COVID had on uh, increasing the penetration of e-commerce. We both worked in some of the large uh, retailers, Coles and Woolworths, and and it really brought forward the, uh, I, I guess, the plan for e-commerce perhaps sort of five or six years, you know, where we thought we would be in five or six years, we're here right now. So how are you actually now planning through that you said you've gone from 14 to 30 distribution centers, but how are you then actually thinking about the next sort of 10 years? Well, Australia's been behind the rest of the world for a long time. So even through COVID, we were behind the rest of the world. So if you look at penetration globally, uh, there is, um, you know, we're at, I think it's 10 to 13%. It's reported at other more advanced economies in the US, China, Germany, UK, uh, they're at closer to 20%. So COVID did accelerate knowledge of it. And it's something that I think is great, uh, the fact that more people are learning about e-commerce. I remember in 2006 when I started the business and I was talking about the benefits of e-commerce and, you know, shouting from rooftops about it. And our business leaders and uh, 
our other operators of traditional retailers were saying at the time, online is insignificant, it's never going to take off, it's irrelevant and so on. Now you switch on the TV and you've got some of our biggest retailers advertising for customers to shop online. The more people that start shopping by opening their laptop or taking their phone out of their pocket, the better it is for e-commerce. So I think it's great that most of them are doing that. Now, I think that they're pretty, you know, there's not many good examples out there of Australian traditional retailers doing a good job online. Most are, most are as bad at, um, they're as bad at online as we are at bricks and mortar. Like I remember we opened a pop-up store. We made a funny video actually. We made a funny video when we opened it. Uh, I'll send it to you guys. But um, we basically unloaded the trucks into our pop-up store and that was our merchandising. So it's like, you know, kitchen knives would arrive, then an LED TV, then a Blu-ray player, then towels, then another model of LED TV. And, and that's, you know, you could walk around our pop-up store and look like that because we're online guys. We knew that these products have really good conversion rates in this geographic location with people from there searching for it. And we had all the data, but we're not good bricks and mortar operators. So, you know, it's, it's really accelerating from that perspective and e-commerce is getting grand fame. And, uh, I think that, I think that that's a, that's a huge positive and, uh, we're finally there. So it's been 15 years and now e-commerce is getting attention and it's getting the grand fame. And I hope it, it continues that way and continues to accelerate because there is a lot of benefit to it. Yes, there will always be a place for traditional retail and each model has their own competitive advantage. Like an Nespresso store will never be the same online as it is in a bricks and mortar store where you can walk in and smell the coffees, try the different coffees, you know, get that real experience that you can't do that online. So um, each it's forcing every business to really think through its competitive advantages and how they can better deliver customer experiences. And I think that that's a great thing. Rosalind, we want to uh, unpack, uh, I guess, that shift to e-commerce and some of the big competitors you have in the space. Uh, but before we do, we're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. So, Ruslan, before the break, uh, we were talking about, I guess, the future of e-commerce and how uh, so many businesses are now looking online. I think the most common question we got from the Equity Mates community was about how you think about 
competing with your online peers, in particular, Amazon's name came up a lot. You're really in a class of your own when it comes to Australian retailers, but there are big international players that are building their presence in Australia. How do you think about competing with the likes of Amazon? Yes, certainly. It's a competitive market out there. I guess in Australia, eBay is the huge operator and they've done an incredible job at Australian e-commerce over the last 20 plus years. I guess you you read a lot of the commentary and it talks about how Amazon's had a bit of a muted launch in Australia and it hasn't been this, you know, huge big bang success that everyone thought it might be. And a large part of that is eBay. What people didn't realise at that time is that We've already had an Amazon in Australia for a long time. It was just called eBay. In the US, uh, eBay is seen as where you go to buy a secondhand iPhone. Um, Whereas here, as I'm sure you guys know, it's been much more than that for a long time. And it's got a lot of our uh, biggest retailers running shop fronts on there. And it's got, you know, brand new product offerings and so on. So they are by far the biggest operation. Um, Amazon is is obviously a company that globally is one of the most innovative businesses in the world. It's a and it's a company that you can never take your eye off and you know we're, we are always monitoring and watching the competitive landscape. We're winning huge market share. So there's a slide in our presentation on that um, with our most recent results announcement. We have, we have continually as a business, including in the last few years, won considerable market share in e-commerce. And what that is showing as well is that the biggest prize for everyone here is not uh, so much e-commerce operators seeing if they can win market share from each other which, you know, yes, we're all competing and we're all, you know, many of us are doing a good job and we're very proud of the fact that we're winning e-commerce market share. But by far the biggest prize for us here is the switch of shopping habits, that every single day someone who grew up with the internet becomes a shopper. You know, someone who grew up with the internet gets a credit or debit card. Somebody who grew up with the internet um, starts their first job and starts to have disposable income. The huge, the huge shift from uh, traditional retail to online retail is the big prize here. Us moving from 13% of retail being done online, which um, you know, or 10 to 13%, depending which report you currently read, to some industry experts predicting 40% will be online. So it, it is that transition that is by far the biggest prize for an e-commerce operator. And that is why scale is so important to us because a lot of efficiency and a lot of benefits you can provide to customers comes with that scale. So, Ruslan, Kogan.com operates in a number of verticals. And speaking of competition, you know, you're in retail, insurance, mobile, healthcare, you name it, and it seems to ever be increasing. Um, first part of the question, is there anywhere that you won't go, any vertical you won't go? And secondly, is there risk, I guess, from a competition point of view in scaling so so wide? So where won't we go? Um, <laughs> you know, I guess shoe repairs. You won't see a <laughs> nice. shoe repair. Nice. Uh, the, the main thing is it has to be a mass market product or service. We're, we're, here, we're here to use our scale to achieve efficiency, to achieve price leadership and uh, use that to provide better deals for our customers. So... Uh, that's why I say shoe repair because I don't even know if shoe repair happens anymore given that, um, <laughs> you know, fast fashion has driven the price of shoes down so much. So it probably costs more to repair a shoe these days than to buy a new one. So so anything, anything that is a mass market offering that lots and lots of people want because if it's something that lots of people want, 
we can use the scale and the buying power of our business to approach a partner in that space and say, hey, we've got the customers, stop wasting money on marketing. Let's take that money, invest it in the price point and give customers an incredible deal. Now, you mentioned, is there a risk for us um, ongoing too wide uh, with the business? No, there isn't because in all of this, our partner provides the underlying service. So Kogan.com does not know how to build mobile phone towers and operate a mobile network. We leave that to the experts. And obviously, Vodafone is a global leader in that space. They know how to do it. We're there as a digital uh, marketing arm where we've got the customer base and can deliver that efficiently and give them an incredible offering. We don't know how to run a superannuation fund. That's why we'll leave our partner to do it. We are not building out expertise in operating a credit card with a leading digital platform and apps. You know, we, we leave that to, uh, to our credit card partner. Um, and that's and that's how we form these partnerships. So uh, there, there is no risk in the fact that, you know, we're going too wide and um, creating a risk, a risk to the service. Well, Ruslan, if you're ever looking to start Kogan Media, uh, you can come yeah. to us and we'll, we'll yeah. be your media partner <laughs> in that venture. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you our numbers after this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one one other sort of, I guess, theme of question that we got uh, from the Equity Mates community was around, I guess, geographic expansion. Um, you know, you've got such a big presence in Australia. How do you think about opening up Kogan.com uh, into more markets and getting more, I guess, physical footprint in terms of like distribution centers and the like um, globally? Well, uh, we made our biggest acquisition last year being Mighty Ape which is an incredible business in New Zealand, very similar in terms of how they operate and very similar backstory, actually, to Kogan.com. It's almost, it's almost uh, you know, there's so much affinity between the two companies, very similar history, very similar relentless focus on customer outcomes, on fast delivery, on product range uh, and so on. So there is geographic expansion in that regard and uh, being able to get uh, a lot of the combined efficiencies and synergy projects that we're executing uh, there. So um, that, that, is, that is one of them. But the biggest prize for Kogan.com in the short to medium term is the fact that Australia is way behind the rest of the world when it comes to e-commerce adoption. We're going to see that grow very, very quickly. And even if you put our um, achievements in uh, perspective in Australia, it just shows the runway ahead of us. Like we're around a billion dollars of gross sales in an e-commerce market that is around 30 to $40 billion. So we're like 3% of Australian e-commerce. And e-commerce is about 10% of overall retail. So we're, we're 0.3% of Australian retail. So for us, given that the brand, the distribution footprint uh, the sourcing capability, the team we have, and the expertise in Australia and New Zealand, that is the strong focus of our business in the short to medium term. So, Rosalind, let's um, turn to people and culture now and uh, have a chat about your leadership philosophy. We always love to understand how CEOs think about that. So, do you have one? Yeah, look, the most important thing for me as a leader is to surround myself with incredible people and that's something that we've been doing at kogan.com for close to 15 years now it's a it took me very quick to realize in the early days of the business i remember hiring uh the first team member and um, i wanted every customer response and customer service interaction to be perfect so 
I I wasn't allowing them to send the email responses to the customer. I was getting them to save them as drafts. And then I would go through them and click send on each one to make sure that they're perfect. And as the business grew, it didn't take too long for me to realize that that's not really going to be a <laughs> scalable approach, that there's only 168 hours in the week. So uh, from, from that point, the approach and philosophy to leadership has been in each area of the business, hire absolute experts in that field, make sure that the people leading our customer care are far better at customer care than anything I could ever do. And the people leading our marketing efforts are far better than anything I could ever do. And the way that I see myself uh, now as a leader is it's my job to get the best people into a room or these days into a Zoom call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or for in our company, we actually use Google Meets um, uh, more frequently. So it, it's interesting how Zoom's become the verb there. So it's my job to bring people into a Google Meets call and then let the magic happen. And um, I, I've found over the years that, you know, excellence and pursuit of uh, customer outcomes and just, uh, you know, the will to desire, uh, to the desire to delight customers and uh, do things better and always question things and bring people on board who are willing to challenge the status quo. Like at Kogan, one of the worst answers somebody could give to why are we doing this is, oh, that's just how we've always done it. You know, our internal philosophy is there is always a better way. So we always respectfully debate ideas, find ways to do things better, um, challenge each other. And if you bring people on board who embrace that sort of culture, beautiful things happen. There's just constant advancements, constant debate, constant improvement, huge collaboration between the team. And, um, you know, it, it essentially makes my job, my job pretty easy. It's, uh, it's all about, it's all about, um, you know, enabling the talent that we have. Yeah, I love, I love that uh, leadership philosophy. Ruslan, we are getting close to the end of time and we do like to finish with uh, a few questions on, I guess, the future for your business. But we would be remiss if we didn't get one question in about, um, I guess, Australia's startup landscape because Kogan.com is one of Australia's greatest uh, startup success stories. We've seen a few other big ones, obviously Alassian and Canva come to mind. But I guess, you know, at the start of of this conversation, you said it was difficult to get uh, investor money uh, in the early days of Kogan. When you look at the landscape now and you look at Australia, how do you think about the startup ecosystem in Australia? And is there anything that is particularly exciting for you at the moment? Yeah, well... Look, it's completely changed, and uh, I guess you know, in part, that a lot of it is the great work that uh, Mike and Scott from Atlassian have been doing, and you know, with their rise, also supporting the the startup community. And um, you know, I, I think that there's now a, a whole group of incredible. Uh, entrepreneurs in Australia that have been able to build incredible businesses and then use use some of the ability they've now got and their circumstances to, to support the next generation of entrepreneurs. And it gives me a lot of pleasure and pride to be able to do that. And I think it's very important for our startup and tech ecosystem. And Look, my approach has always been to stick to areas that you know best. So there's a lot of startups that, you know, there's areas I've invested in that are tech-related, but then there's some that are, you know, you just come across an incredible entrepreneur that is that is always thinking outside the box and striving, and I've invested in some that, you know, include plant-based alternatives to 
um, spices and meats and um, chicken and and so on, which is an area I know very little about. So there's incredible businesses coming out of uh, Australia and our our startup ecosystem is growing. And I think that that's an amazing thing and uh, something that we as a country should be supporting more and more. There's there's world-class technology uh, that is that is absolutely changing the world. They've got patents that they've been able to invent things that others haven't. And, um, you know, so, yes, there's, there's a lot of investments that I've been making recently in similar type businesses, and I, it's great to be able to do so. Well, if you're ever looking to get on board a growing media empire, then you know who to ask as well. So, uh, <laughs> um, Rosalind, we've got to that point in the interview where we like to close out around some conversation to do with the future of your business. So, what does the next 12 months look like for Kogan.com? Is there anything exciting in the pipeline that you're able to share? Yeah, well, there's a big focus in our business now on our Kogan First loyalty program or a membership subscription program. It's been growing at a huge pace and we've released our numbers recently showing the incredible growth we've had and the acceleration in growth that we've had. Um, We see that as a big part of our e-commerce future and that's a big focus at Kogan. It's a program where a customer shows some commitment to us by paying an upfront fee And we show a huge commitment to the customer by uh, giving them even better deals and free shipping and exclusive discounts and so on. So building out that program is a huge part of our future. And we have a goal in the medium term to get that to 1 million subscribers. So we're at over 150,000 now. And that's a big, you know, if you go onto the Kogan platform, you'll see a big focus uh, on that. And also supporting uh, Australian businesses and retailers through our marketplace uh, that has seen huge growth uh, in our business. It's only a couple of years young and uh, already uh, achieving amazing scale and will, if you look globally at similar business models to us, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, will end up being 60 to 70% of our sales. So it's a very exciting area of the business while continuing what we're doing uh, in our exclusive brands division. So we're very excited in our business about those three growth pillars and supporting those all while we expect Australian e-commerce to uh, catch up to the rest of the world. And that is a huge uh, opportunity for the innovation and the industries around in Australia that, you know, both both support e-commerce and are supported by e-commerce. So it's a it's a very exciting time ahead. And then Ruslan, final question. Uh, you know, we're long term investors here at Equity Mates. Uh, we like to think in, you know, decades time horizon uh, when we put money into companies. If you think about Kogan.com in ten years, what would success look like? Well, we would be multiples of what we are now in terms of uh, the, the our sales and the pipeline that we create for brands and retailers in reaching customers efficiently. So success would be if we as a operator can can continue to get huge scale whilst creating win-win-win relationships between our customers and our shareholders and our manufacturers and suppliers, meaning driving huge value all through the supply chain while becoming a much, much bigger business. You love to see it. You love to hear it. Rosalind, it's been a fascinating conversation and we very much thank you for your time today. We have run out of time and uh, yeah, I know that there's plenty of investors in our community that uh, will be invested in in Kogan.com and so hearing from you has just been an absolute pleasure. Uh, No doubt it's been a fascinating story over the last decade and we can't wait to see how it all continues to grow over the next coming 10 years. So, thank you. Thank you very much, guys, and uh, thank you for inviting me. An absolute pleasure to chat and uh, keep doing the great work that you guys are doing. It's a 
you know, customer numbers speak for themselves and the amount of listeners you have and the growth you're seeing uh, is a clear indication of, you know, the amazing work that you're doing. So an absolute pleasure to chat. Thank you. Thanks, Wilson. Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.